Hello and welcome to This Writing Life with me, Stuart White, and I'm joined today by Melissa Welliver and Emily Randall-Jones. And today we're going to be discussing writing barriers and the problems that writers face when they're unable to write. So we're going to chat a little bit ourselves about our own writing barriers, and then we're going to go on to discuss some of the, the opinions and ideas and thoughts that you've shared with us on uh, writing barriers. Um, some some are quite common, uh, others are a bit more niche to people, but we'll, we'll have a look at all of those over the course of the, the episode. So first of all, hi Emily and Melissa, how are you doing? Hello, good thanks. Good, yeah. good. mysterious voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Emily's not on uh, camera if you're watching on YouTube guys, uh, but um, obviously if you're on the podcast it makes absolutely no difference. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're going to be chatting a little bit more about that. But before we get on to it, um, Emily, what have you what have you been up to recently? We haven't we haven't done a an episode for a little while. Um, have you been up to anything in your own writing life? Yeah, so I have just finished um, proofreading um, the the book, which um, will be I've got a cover cover reveal next Friday, so I can talk more about like what it actually is then. Ooh. Finally, woohoo! Um, so I've just finished proofreading. I did, I did copy edits, did proofreading. Uh, I've got the proofs now, which is they are like stunning, and it's really bizarre to think it's going to be going out to people. I've written a list for the publishers of people who uh, I can send it out to. Uh, yeah, and I'm actually starting to think about the next thing. I say this every time we do one of these. I'm thinking about the next thing. I am actually like seriously now. I know what it is. I'm researching. I'm uh, gonna like do anything but sitting down and writing it. But yeah. So. Um, so yeah, and also kind of ready to launch into kind of marketing this, I think, a little bit, which obviously, Melissa, you're like full-blown marketing place, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely in full-blown marketing. It's not too bad, like, so far. It's mostly just um, sort of asking, like, oh, which people do you know that we can send this book to? And because I work for Write Mentor, that is actually, this will sound so, my diamond shoes are so tight, but I have so many writing friends, so I'm like... Give me more parameters than just author because I feel like everyone I know is a writer. So I don't, I don't know what yeah, to say. Yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, oh gosh, I know that sounds really awful actually because I'm sure some people who are really new to writing and don't have a writing community don't necessarily know loads of writers when they come in. <laughs> loads. So yes, I am in full blown marketing. It's not actually, yeah, it's not kicked in too much so far. It's just mostly asking to send it out. But that's what's weird is at this point in time, still probably only 20 or 30 people have read it, maybe at a push. And it's seven weeks till publication, or maybe it's six weeks. It's six weeks. I sent out a newsletter saying six weeks, and I must have counted. It's six weeks. February has oh tricked God. me. It's six weeks till publication, so that's kind of crazy. But yeah, it should ramp up. Yeah. Maybe. No, it's yeah. exciting. And I'm, I'm yeah. actually one of those people that has read the book. Um, yeah. I I got a I got to read an early draft, didn't I? Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, but it's, it's brilliant. It's 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 really really good. I'm I'm very excited about it. Um, and yeah, it's gonna. I, I think I predict. In fact, I I don't just predict. I know it's going to do really well. Um, so yeah. I hope you're I hope you're enjoying this running because um, yeah, obviously it'll get it'll get busy around the time, won't it? 
I think it will, yeah. And it's quite nice because I've had such a long run up. And uh, as Stuart was just saying how amazing a writing I, a writer I am, if you're on YouTube, I just like glowed like the sun because I'm sat in front <laughs> yeah. of my window. So I'm very white right now. So sorry about that. If you're watching, but again, if you're listening, then it probably doesn't make a difference. But maybe it'll make you go to the YouTube channel and watch just to see. Um, but yes, so I, um, yeah, I'm feeling excited about it. But because it's been such a long run up, I feel quite relaxed at the minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when you're waiting for something for such a long time, it's like, if you love Christmas, you can't get excited yeah. in February about Christmas because that would be crazy. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So I've I yeah, kind yeah. of, I've gone through like ups and downs of being excited. But at the minute, I don't feel like miserable about it. I just feel sort of calm, which will probably change. But right now it's fine. <laughs> and and of course you've been working on... Yeah, it's like, it's a really weird thing. Sorry, sure. No, no, I was just going to say, um, you, you've been working on something else as well, Melissa. So I think that's probably taking your mind off it. Yeah, that really helped. So, um I did. I don't know if I spoke about it last time we were on the podcast. It'd be interesting to go back. But I, in November, decided to do NaNoWriMo and it did not work for me at all. Like I just couldn't get into the voice, but I did do loads of plotting because I'm a big plotter. And then December, as for most people, I'm sure it was just a write-off um, in terms of like, not like actual writing, mm-hmm. just like literally couldn't do any because, you know, family and blah, 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 uh, which is lovely, but also didn't do any writing. So I wrote it in January. I think I finished the last day of January or something. I think I wrote from the 3rd till the 31st. So, yeah. So, yeah, that actually really helped. Yeah. And that's gone off. Um, and I did some editing in February as well um, because my agent knew it was coming in. So, she, like, cleared a spot, which is Emily's agent as well. So, she'd, like, cleared a spot so we could get it done. Boom, boom, boom. And it was quite nice to get that sent off. And now I feel like I can have a bit of a break and get back to my mentees. It's a read other people's stuff, which is quite nice. I read books and things. So, yeah, that has really helped, actually, I must admit. It's that old adage of, get busy, don't just sit around and wait, do something else, whether it be writing or something else. I'm quite enjoying actually the last couple of weeks. I've just been doing mentoring work, reading, and that's been really nice as well. Writing a couple of articles for different types of writing, not writing a book project, which has been nice. So yeah, the old Mm -hmm. adage works and it's annoying, but it's true. Don't just sit around and Mm -hmm. wait for news. (laughs) And Emily, obviously you you were talking there about having done your proofs and you got your cover reveal coming up. Um, When when is the cover reveal? It's uh, the 10th of March, so Friday, um, at 1pm. Unless, like, another monarch dies, like it happened with Melissa. Yeah, that's what happened with me. That's when it is. (laughs) um, (laughs) That's probably treason, what I just said. But, yeah, theoretically, it's going to be on Twitter. The Chicken House account are going to be revealing it on Twitter. uh, Friday, 10th of March, at 1 o'clock. So, yeah, like, it's so exciting because I saw my cover right at the very beginning. They had it. It was, I think, quite unusually, it was right at the beginning part of the process because they managed to get hold of this amazing designer and that was the slot that they had. Um, I'm very, very glad they did. And, um, yeah, so it was actually, I've, I've known the cover for something like like a year and a half now or something Whoa. crazy like that. So I'm yeah. really, really excited to actually be able to show other people now. You've got the same cover oh. designer as me, Emily. I do. Yeah, Michaela Alcano. Do, yeah. Yeah, she's so good. Yeah, yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. She, honestly, I was just... It was, it was, I mean, it was, she was so quick as well. Like she came yeah. back with like, you know, the, the roughs within like, within like a day or something. I know it was, it was like, I was like, oh, I really like her outfit on the cover. Can't say too much. But then I went away, I was like, oh, I've written that outfit. Like she's, she'd obviously like taken really kind yeah. of, like, I think you mentioned this before, like really sort of specific details from the book. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, how has she just reached into my head? It's amazing. Yeah, she yeah she's so good and she's so nice. Oh, I love her. Besties. Super excited <laughs> to meet her. Yeah, she's so yeah. nice. And she's doing so well, isn't she? She's so in demand, as you say, that you yeah. you have to you have to just take her when she's available to oh, even yeah. if it's a year and a half in advance. Yeah. yeah. It's true. Exactly. 
Exactly. So, yeah, I think they were just like, oh, you know, while she's here, we'll, while we've got her, we'll, we'll jump on her and then make sure that it gets done. And it did, which is amazing. Oh, exciting. So exciting times for both of you. You've got um, you've got some cool things coming up. Um, well, obviously, the next time yeah. next time we do uh, the podcast, we'll, we'll probably be able to uh, chat a little bit more freely about a couple of the things as well. Um, so that'll be that'll be good. And Melissa, yeah. you have your book launch coming up in April as well. Yeah, so the book comes out on the 13th. I don't actually have anything booked to do that day, which I think is a nice thing to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like not be concentrating on, you know, sort of when I'm freaking out about maybe like Twitter and blah, 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 and everything else that takes over your life on launch day. Yep. And then uh, we're doing some launch type event things, which we're still faffing about with details. But yeah, no, it should be a really good month. I've got quite a lot lined yeah, yeah. up and I've got like an event at Waterstones the day before um in manchester which is really nice so that it's only one day before the book comes out so obviously we've got copies and stuff so yeah there's quite a lot um going on in future which is nice to think about but i was just gonna say Stuart, you've totally like done yourself down you've got a book out never mind me and emily who are sat around <laughs> waiting <laughs> how's that like it's been out like, i know it's been out like what two weeks something like that I know, but I'm the host. I'm, I'm not supposed to just sit and talk about myself. I'm so. <laughs> making you, I'm making you. What's it like? <laughs> Two weeks out. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's going well. Um, I've um, I've learned a lot of the, the tricks of the trade, so I've got I'll always have a copy handy next uh, year. Mine's behind computer. me. I've not learned. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> um, it literally it sits. I basically use it as like a, a mouse pad almost. Yeah. Um, so it's so close to the computer because obviously when you're you're doing videos or uh, you're doing a quick TikTok or something, it's good to have it to hand. Um, I've got the biggest <laughs> uh, poster that I could possibly purchase of the book cover in the background <laughs> as well, just to yep. to make sure. Yeah, good, good. Um, apparently, what, what's that called when it's like background marketing or something? Oh yeah, I like uh, subconscious marketing or something like that, where one, it's just yeah, all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. More, That's what you need the to more do. people see it, the more likely they are. Yeah. Did you not say to me the other week, Melissa, people yeah. need to see something nine times? Uh, well, I used to hear it was seven times when it was old marketing, but my friend who works in digital marketing said, now because we're so filled with stuff all the time and we're always scrolling, it has to be 21 times now. What? That's like the new Gosh. number because they do these like studies on it, don't they? So that they can work out. So yeah, 21 times. That's why if anyone is unfortunate enough to follow me on TikTok. I just need it taken off me, man. I just I just make all these TikToks because everyone's so creative on TikTok. So I just copy them, of course, because I have no creativity and make all these book talks, which are really, really fun to make anyway. But yeah, it's just just basically spamming my book across TikTok. It's, it's, it, yeah, it's just so people can see it lots of times. And I had a marketing meeting, I think. Um, yeah, so um, because we both did the same marketing meeting, I'm sure Emily was told the same thing, but um, they said that when you have your Instagram squares, like when people are scrolling through, your book should appear at least three or five times. She said like the cover of your book, even if it's a reel or whatever. Yeah, see, Emily remembers that. Like, And I, I never really thought of it like that. Like obviously when you go to these marketing things, some things seem obvious and other things like, really? It's that important to go, oh, yeah, like if you're looking at that top sort of six or nine squares, we should be able to see your book X many times. Which is, I suppose on Instagram, you don't have a banner, but that's like a whole other conversation. But yes, it's like very complicated, all the marketing stuff. So yeah, 21 times. So I hear. Yeah, it's like every every wow. three squares, I think, wasn't it? Every three posts yeah. on your grid should be like feature your book in one way or the other. Yeah, something like that. It's crazy. What, what if every post in your grid features your book? <laughs> like me. <laughs> then, then basically, you're just going to sell out and it's going to be fine. That's, that's yeah. all. Well done. You win. <laughs> I'm just looking at mine and it's basically every grid almost. That's good. I think that's a good thing. Like that's why people are coming to your, I suppose it's trying to attract people in that 
don't know you. I've definitely yeah. looked up authors before, and especially before I worked in writing, I would look up authors, Instagrams and websites, and sometimes they were trickier to find, or I'd find someone, especially if they had, say, a common name, and I think, is this the author of this? Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure. And, yes, yeah, so it does It does happen, I think. You just yeah, need yeah. to make it very easy to find, right? Yeah, I mm. think so. Yeah, cool. Okay, so let's move on a little bit from our um, our current writing status update on to mm-hmm. what today's theme is, which is all about the barriers to writing and the things that prevent us from from progressing and and actually sitting down and, and you know and doing our, our writing and being productive and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, does anyone want to volunteer to go first with this one? <laughs> volunteered to go first to say whether we're productive or not and what stops (laughs) that sounds terrifying well well, melissa actually you're quite unusual um in the Uh way that you write i think so do do you want to kick us off with this one yeah so i write i've talked a bit bit about it on the podcast before so i write in big chunks and when i say chunks i mean like weeks at a time and then i have a big rest (laughs) and like i found that so for instance to take my most recent project um so i plotted it in november but i planned to write it in november i was just struggling with creativity i don't even know i just couldn't get into it and then in january from january 3rd because you know first of january i of course had been drinking lots of soft drinks the night before and so (laughs) felt very fizzy the next day and then uh, you know had a couple of days until i was actually ready to start writing so 3rd of january i wrote through and i wrote every day for several hours a day and the thing is i can do that because my job at right mentor i'm required to be at my desk a lot of my job is answering say emails I can either have those open or what I sometimes do, which might help with depending on what people said, is I check them once in the morning and once in the afternoon. So I'll check them at like, say, 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I might just have a quick check at like half five to check nothing was urgent that came in at the end of the day. Um, so I can do that because I'm at my desk anyway. I'm already in my workspace, so it's not too bad. Um, but yeah, I just write all the way through and I wrote at weekends as well. I barely took a day off. Some days were like crazy, like 5,000 words. Other days were maybe a thousand, especially at the beginning. And then when I had the two weeks to edit, I found it quite difficult because I, the creative well had run dry. Mm. two weeks of really focused on a story i didn't watch anything that was a drama for instance because i didn't want to get any of the stories i had didn't read it was quite hard and then i did the two weeks editing did as best i could but had to admit to my agent in the end like there are some things here that i know need to change but i don't have any ideas left (laughs) like i'm struggling a bit now and so then i have this big break and so now i'm on my big break and it's really nice and i'm catching up with other stuff that's still writing adjacent as i said i'm writing a couple of articles for instance um for my publicist who wants to maybe try and send them out so that's quite a nice different type of writing but yeah it's much less intense than it was so i think that helps me stay productive but also i'm certainly not a writer that writes every day and i'm certainly i think i could do it but the lifestyle i live right now affords me to do it this way so i do Mm. it this way yeah and and it's interesting because i think it's important for people to realize that that um you know because the the general advice that people give which i don't uh, necessarily agree with is that yeah. you should write a little bit every day if you can yeah um and, and obviously that will all accumulate and build up and in some ways that's that's quite a, a healthy habit but it's not for everyone is it and and the way that you do it obviously suits you and your lifestyle and so on better yeah exactly so i don't have any kids 
I live at, currently at home with my parents, but we are looking to move house soon. So, and buy our first house. So that'll probably scupper quite a lot of any writings that, you know, everyone knows what it's like to move house. It's always hell. Um, so, you know, I, I live a particular lifestyle where I'm able to do that. I don't have responsibilities knocking on my door every five minutes. Um, I have a very supportive family, very supportive partner who understands if I say I'm doing this all day on Sunday, they won't disturb me. Um, so it's quite easy. Not that other people, of course, other people's partners are supportive, but it's really difficult if you've got, say, little distractions or you have in-laws coming over or whatever it may be, whereas we just don't live that kind of lifestyle. So I'm able to do this. I have a feeling in future, obviously, that would change if my lifestyle changed. But right mm. now I can do it this way. And therefore, I like doing it this way. And it means I can be productive and possibly pop out a couple of books in a year. Mm. So I'm choosing to do it that way right now. But obviously, you guys both have kids. You, I mean, Stuart, you're living, obviously... In a, you have like a mortgage to pay, like a grown up, <laughs> and like you run a business and are a teacher, and I'm yeah, not doing that. that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's all that about? <laughs> yeah, um, I, but interestingly, I, the thing I wanted to drill into a wee bit there, Melissa, mm -hmm. was when you said in November you, you couldn't really get into it. If that makes yeah. sense, you can't get in. And so, like, I guess what 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 can, if you can recall back that far? What was yeah. it about? you know, the process that you couldn't get into, what was the stumbling block for you? Yeah. So for me, it was voice, like hundred percent voice. And also I always, and I think I talk to a lot of people and they say the same thing. The first chapter I find really difficult. I was actually talking to Julia Tufts. I'm sure she won't mind me saying, uh, Julia Tufts who wrote Hexed um, and uh, Twice Hexed, the follow-up. And she was saying that she quite likes the first sort of 20K and she gets like really like, oh, I've got this new idea and I'm going to race into this story. And I do not. Um, I think when I first started writing, I did. That's because I never finished a project. So of oh, course really? I learned the first 20K because that's when I would yeah. stop. That would be the end. Um, and I hated the middle. But actually now I've started plotting. I find the beginning really hard because first of all, coming up with an interesting beginning always comes last for me. It's always a bit boring, my beginning. I've got to write myself in and get in there. And I follow Save the Cat. So that first 10%, I'm doing setup. And sometimes I don't know the setup well enough yet. So it's not great. Um, and I, I don't mind doing the middle because everything's plotted. So it's fine. And the ending is the best bit. I usually roll quite quickly towards the end. Like I don't worry if I'm falling behind the first half of the month because I know the end. I could write like 10,000 words in a day if I know there's light at the end of the tunnel and I'm like racing towards it. But I think, yeah, I think it was just beginning it. New project. I hadn't actually written since I'd been in some sort of lockdown, which might have been a thing. Because obviously it was on and off, wasn't it, all through. And my yeah. partner was a teacher at the time. And you know, Stuart, for me, a teacher, like schools were in and out and everything was chaos and there wasn't really much of a schedule. So maybe that was why. But yeah, I just really struggled to get into it. And the first five days of January that I was writing from the 3rd to the 8th were awful. <laughs> I think I wrote like sometimes maybe 300 words in a day. It was really hard. Once I got past 10K, I was okay, though. And that's always like that for me. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, um, Emily. What what about you then? What what kind of barriers do you face to your writing? What are the things that uh, prevent you from from doing that? Um, <clears throat> so I guess there's like it's the kind of the two sides of the same coin, I suppose. There's the like internal stuff, you know, a little bit like where your head's at, mm -hmm. um, and there is the external stuff. Like I have, I have two kids who are two and four at the moment, and um, you know, like at the, you know, lot of very supportive village, but I am doing a lot of it sort of. It's, it's me and them at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, time-wise, that is difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of like like balancing responsibilities and that kind of thing is is really tough. And I'm not, and, and I'm not one of those people that can, like, get up at four o'clock and start writing, you know, before they wait. That's not going to happen. I like my sleep way too much. And I will be, like, <laughs> super useless. Like, there would be no words if I did that. Um, yeah. 
and um yeah just like trying to find time is really is is really tough and I find that I can't especially when I'm like first starting a thing I can't just do it in chunks it has to be like I have to kind of sit there and get myself in the world involved mm-hmm. in it so I kind of start to fall in love with it and like you know swim inside it if you know what I mean so it's not like I can be like oh I've got 10 minutes here I've got 20 minutes here blah 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 so I have to know I've got like a solid um sort of set of, of time I guess to sit down and dedicate myself to it but also I'm a horrible procrastinator I, you know as I've talked about before I have ADHD and me actually sitting down and starting something is really tough um and once I kind of done it once I've started it it's okay but mm-hmm. I, it's really hard to sit down and start it. So I guess that's more of the internal stuff. Um, but also, you know, yeah, I think I think that kind of stuff in your head, whether you have ADHD or not, you can put too much pressure on it, I think, if it really yeah. becomes a kind of thing in your head. You're like, I have to do this. I have to write this thing. And especially when it's become kind of more of your, your job, as it obviously kind of become part of my job, which is really lovely and I'm very lucky, but it's kind of gone from being this lovely thing that I did to relax my brain Right. And, you know, there was no, there were no time limitations. It was just, you know, as and when you hop in and out. And now it's like, people are waiting for this. Now you kind of got to, you have, you have to do this. You have to crack on. And that makes it harder to start somehow. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, and I think also if I haven't been around like much creativity, if I've been doing other stuff, what have you, if I haven't seen many of my writer friends, if I haven't been reading, I find that really tough. If I'm in there, then I can kind of crack on. That was a bit of a ramble. Does that make sense? No, it does. Okay, yeah. good. It does all make sense, and I'm sure like, a lot of people listening will, will relate to to many of those things as well. Yeah. Um, what what we're going to do next is we're, we're actually going to look at a few of the the replies to the tweet I put out about this, and we'll chat a little bit about what people have said, and you know if they are relatable to us or or not. Um, and um, yeah, we'll have a wee discussion around it. So, um, the first person to reply was was Maz Evans, who said. Everything that being an author requires that is not actually writing is her biggest barrier. So events, promo, admin. Mm. She said she spends so much more time on these things than creating stories. Yeah. Admin. Mm -hmm. Admin's the killer, I find. We were talking, I think, so it's World Book Day week. I I want to say week, and I think it's because of some of the teacher's strike. We're kind of really pushing the week thing this year. Um, So all of my old friends are doing um, that. I went to self-publish, so it's a bit trickier for me to sell books in schools for my first book. And then obviously the second book's not out yet. So actually, I didn't tout for World Book Day, and I'm not doing anything for World Book Day. And I'm actually quite relaxed about it, Uh, especially when I see it is quite stressful for authors. You know, I know some authors that are doing more than one school in a day um, and, oh, gosh, yeah, all sorts of things. And I do find the thing that takes the most time. Some schools are brilliant and help you in advance. Like there's a university I did something for and they helped me do all the filing in advance to get paid. But my goodness, sometimes chasing invoices. I've been self-employed since I was 16 and it's always doesn't matter what industry you're in. Anybody who's self-employed will know chasing invoices is the number one time suck that you're not paid for. And it's really, really tough. Not that we're, I mean, you are still paid if you're writing a book and you're in contract. I suppose you are still being paid for it. I know we've had conversations about whether that's fair pay or not before, but you are still being paid for it. The tough thing with admin is every hour you're spent chasing something is just a time suck, a creativity suck. I totally see where she's coming from. That is one that definitely, and it can get you a little bit down, I think, as well, because it's not the most fun bit of being an author. Yeah. yeah. And the, yeah. Thing, the thing is with invoices too is it's so frustrating because you've done the work. You should just yeah. get paid. Yeah. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be then spending additional time 
you know, which is which is valuable time. You know, yep. not not taken away from writing, it's taken away from family or other Everything. job you might have. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. it, yeah. I mean, it's one. It is one of the most frustrating things that I hear from authors is having yep. to do that. And I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I think I don't know. It's one of those things. It's it's big um, big systems, isn't it? Where you've got yeah. the local council have got a, an accounts department which don't yes. speak to the teachers, which don't of you know blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah, it's not often the teacher's fault at all, I no. will point out. And quite yeah, often yeah. that I've had lovely contacts who've really helped me to get paid when I've been struggling. And they've gone in there, said, I'll go in personally and sort it out because I might be, say, 100 miles away by the time I'm back home and it's tough. Um, so I totally understand that. And it's not, yeah, it's not just the time. It's the creativity is sucked when you have mm. to do some admin like that, which is maybe a wishy-washy thing to say from a nice privileged position, but it yeah. is true. It's like what Emily was saying about being in the right mood. I had to write, I'm really feeling quite tired after like getting those edits done. And then I was doing lots and lots of mentoring for my lovely mentees. And it's a lot of creative work that, so it kind of, you know, you're quite tired at the end of it. Yesterday I had to write an article about putting the funny back into dystopia, right? And oh God, it was awful. It was so not funny. It was the most boring. I read it back. I thought, this is so boring. This is so depressing. It was actually depressing. It was actually a depressing <laughs> article. And I got my partner to read it and he read it through and he didn't obviously didn't know how to tell me. It's like, well, I think it just needs a bit of editing. And I was like, is it funny though? And he's like, it's not particularly funny. If anything, it's depressing. I was like, I knew it was. So yeah, you have to be in the right mood as well. And admin can suck that mood, hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Do you think though it's it's maybe more of a um, established author problem? Like you know, yeah. um, you, you guys are both relatively at the start of your your writing careers, so yeah, um, you're probably not spending as much time on on those kind of things right now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like I can see, like be- being part of like the um the 2023 debut group and the 2022 debut group already, like you know, experiencing some of the stuff that they are like going through. I don't know yeah. how anyone fits it in because obviously a lot of people have full time, well, you know, most have full time jobs as writers. Um, you know, there's, there's there's a reason why they talk about it being for the you know the more privileged people who can kind of quit their jobs to do it to focus on it permanently because you got your full time job. But often there's caring responsibilities. There's actually yeah. writing the things, and then when are you supposed to do all this kind of like admin? A marketing side of it as well like there's just not enough hours in the day and i yeah. can see why it people can get burned out if there's not kind of boundary set i guess mm-hmm. yeah no i i completely agree um as it's, as it's, it's, I, I mean, that's a bigger conversation than just us i guess on this podcast but yeah. you know this is really something for um you know authors to to be speaking to i guess their, their publishers and so on about i mean i i guess if you're a successful enough author then you can farm out some of your admin i know that there's there's agencies and stuff out there that will do deal with all your event stuff isn't there yes um, like authors allowed are they called yeah they do school visits or if you're yeah. like brandon sanderson he set up his entire own publishing branch and hires <laughs> yeah. all his friends to do all of his admin so that sounds great let's just do that <laughs> yeah so, but I, I think you have to get to a certain stage before yes. um, that that can happen for you. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, let's move on from that one and let's uh, look at some of the other barriers. So, the uh, next one's from Anna Britton. She says, I used to have a much bigger struggle with my self-esteem, which spilled over into my writing. Mm-hmm. So, she said, how could I write anything when everything I did was, and then she's used an expletive there, beginning with S. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Anna. Bless you, so yeah, I guess, but uh, that, that's that's a big problem, isn't it? It's like yeah. we, we often talk about the biggest barrier to our writing is is sometimes ourselves, and you know yeah. what's happening inside our own heads. Yeah, I've had to let go of 
I wouldn't actually say I was a perfectionist, but I am a control freak. And sometimes those things have a crossover. They're not quite the same, but they do have a crossover. Stuart, we talked about this before with you self-publishing and therefore being technically in charge of when the book goes to the next stage of editing, etc. And it's so yeah, yeah. tempting to keep pulling at it. And I've just found like, so for instance, this book I just wrote that I wrote in a month and then I did another two weeks on it. And, you know, me and my agent did a round of edits and we got to a point where we were saying to each other, my creative well was dry we got to a particular point and the agent saying, listen, you know, the publisher, they want to help grow your brand and help you with this book. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the most polished book in the world, like say it does when you're going on submission and you're basically cold calling people saying, please buy this thing from someone you've never heard of. It's a little bit different because we have a relationship now. And so when that's going on submission and people, even other houses have read my stuff. So it's a little bit different now and I have a bit more of a reputation. So I did send it less polished yeah, than I normally you have would. A reputation. <laughs> reputation, for better or worse. Um, and yeah, so I've, I've, uh, I've sent it off now and now I'm thinking, oh God, like I can see all the things that are wrong with it. However, it doesn't need to be, and I've let that go quite a lot. I do first drafts anyway, and I don't read it back. People say, oh, how do you cope with the fir- crap first draft? And I'm like, oh, if I could say crap. Too late, I've done it. Um, and I, I was like, oh, what do I do? You know, how, how do you get past it? I'm like, I don't even know if it's good or bad because I don't read it. I'm just writing. I don't go back and read it because then I will know. Like everyone's read a first draft and most of it's terrible. But then maybe there's one sentence or one paragraph where you're like, that was quite good, actually. I just pretend it's all like that. <laughs> And just hope yeah. for the best and get to the end. So I do understand exactly what Anna's talking about. And I have got a bit better at just letting it go. But it is easier when I've got the support of a publisher or an agent who's telling you, you're not terrible at this. That is exactly. helpful. And it can be quite lonely before you get to that stage. Yeah, mm. totally. I feel like like generally it's a thing anyway, that it's so hard not to rely on external validation, isn't it? You know, and because especially like a huge like swathe of your writing career is before you get that it is all you're yeah. getting is actually like the complete opposite of validation um yeah. which is rejection and like you know self-doubt and stuff mm. um and it's so easy for me to say like oh you have to kind of pull some sort of strength from somewhere but actually you know like where that that's not natural for everyone that's not something that everyone can do i, I you know it's, it's really really hard to do so yeah. yeah i think it's just about you know trying not to chase perfection but that's so hard isn't it and if you're the sort of person who does that naturally you can't just stop doing that that's really hard um Mm -hmm. but yeah just trying to be kind to yourself I guess as much as possible um Mm -hmm. uh, like you say if that involves like not reading over your first draft of of stuff like if that's what you need to do because I think the job is as well especially if you've written a really good like book or story or what have you and then you start again you're like oh my god this is is truly terrible like it's not going to be the same is it as the first one no that's the thing but you can know all this stuff um like logically but you're actually kind of letting that sort of breathe and sort of yeah yeah it's really hard yeah so that's a quite interesting yeah hearing both both your perspectives on that um I, i quite like that melissa actually that whole just write the first draft and then don't read it yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I mean, I read yeah. it later when I'm editing. Yeah, yeah, you do some yeah. work. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm not that bad. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I definitely do that. I definitely read back stuff that I've done, and mm. and you know, do the continually change things as I go. And um, yeah, it's, I don't think that's healthy for you. And also, you can you can be totally blocked by the the fear of what you're about to write not being as good as you want it to be. 
Yeah, oh definitely. Especially if you plot, like, I think what I do works because I'm a plotter. So, because some people have said, like, well, how do you remember? Well, first of all, remember, I'm writing in these very short sprints. So, again, this may change in future. I know exactly what I'm writing because I was either writing an hour ago or yesterday. It's like the biggest gap I will have. So that's fine. I'm fully immersed in the story and I'm not reading anything else. And it's all plotted. So I know exactly in each chapter, I have a couple of sentences at the top telling me what's happening. And I also do that thing of when I finish a chapter, I write the first sentence of the next chapter. Yeah. Even if it's just like a few words, just so I'm into it. So I don't have to read it back. But maybe if you were not, I was just thinking, if you're not a plotter, you might have to read a bit of it back just to check what you were doing. Or if obviously it's been like two weeks since you last wrote, then obviously you might have to read it back. Yeah. But I yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Um, okay, let's let's move on because there's, there's yeah. a number of other ones which are important to chat about. So the next one's being exhausted from working full time in a physically and emotionally draining job. So there's yeah. an, an overwhelm from personal circumstances too. And I think we've kind of touched on that, but I think that's definitely a big factor, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, hugely. Like, and I feel especially if you're in a job where you are kind of like mentally burned out because like I, my old job yeah. I'm thinking about when I was writing then like I had two parts of it I was either sat in an office doing like admin and doing events planning and that kind of stuff or I was out like on the ground like with volunteers and kind of running the stuff and being outside and running around and actually yeah. personally I found like sitting at the computer at the end of that day I was so much less ready to write because I was so my brain was so tired and I was like I don't want to do it when I've been out all day like on my feet it was much easier to sit down and do something because like you're kind of you're tired but you're not like mentally exhausted so yeah, yeah it is really you know you just want to kind of switch off don't you when you want to come in and trying to force yourself to write on top of all that is really hard yeah, definitely. Brandon Sanderson, I know I've mentioned him twice now. I don't know what's happening. It's obviously a fan cast. Um, but he does these free YouTube um, tutorials. Oh, I don't want to call them tutorials. Not really. Lectures. That's the word for it, lectures. And they are at a university that he does. And he's le- he, the reason he took the job was so he could release them online. So that's also a really good thing if you're ever feeling like down about your writing, but something writing adjacent is watch somebody else talking about writing. Mm-hmm. And he said that lots of students would ask him, what's a really good job for me to apply for whilst I'm writing? my epic best future best-selling fantasy novel and he would say don't do something too strenuous with your brain if mm-hmm. you want to be writing after work um that is not to suggest that any jobs are particularly less taxing than other jobs it's just they're taxing in different ways and different parts of your brain or your physical muscles are being used so i kind of see where he was coming from whereas obviously a lot of people i think who want to do creative writing do creative pursuits as their full-time job and so that makes it a little bit trickier when, you know, you're completely drained from thinking of stuff at work. Say, if, even if it's like, say, marketing or something, you have to come up with ideas all the time and then you're coming home and trying to come up with ideas for your novel. That's going to be really tough. Yeah. So I totally understand. I think the only way around that, again, I would say, because I'm obsessive about this, would be if you already have the plot down and you've spent that time. I plotted in November and then wrote in January. I think having the gap was really good. Like, I think I would do that again. Because it meant I could also, I added stuff in so it was still fun and fresh when I came to it because I was definitely adding stuff because I thought of more stuff. And because it was all plotted, even if I didn't feel like it that day, and yeah, it's maybe not as funny as I wanted it to be or not as romantic as I wanted, but whatever you know, mood I wanted to create, I at least knew what was happening with the plot and I could get it down even if I wasn't feeling it. So maybe that's the way around it, being super organized. But it's a really tough one. I don't know how you get around that. I don't know. What do you think, Emily? Um, what do I think? It's difficult because obviously <laughs> I am question. the antithesis of super organized. So um that is difficult. Nice. Um yeah. Uh but yeah, I think I think that that break is really important. And actually 
something yeah. that is kind of really important in all swathes of life but i swathes that's not that's not the right term paths of life we're writers life. guys well, swathes it. of life you've heard it here first um <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like it's setting boundaries for yourself and also mm-hmm. then you know understanding how you work like what is good for you and then carrying that on throughout your career as much it's so easy for me to say as like in the position that i'm at in right now as agented and you know under contract but um i know that something i found really helpful um mm-hmm. is knowing when i knowing how i work like um knowing when i'm not going to be able to produce something really well like so not over promising right. and being like yeah i can do this I can, and being totally honest with yourself and then also being really honest with the kind of the uh, stakeholders that you're going to be working with like be mm-hmm. that agents be that publishers you know how you'd be your your writing group however that looks like like if you can't if you can't do something if you need a certain length of time to do something people will understand i think i think being really honest from the outset about mm-hmm. who you are and how your brain works is only going to benefit you because i you know i have discovered like with like when i started out with my writing group are amazing I was like, yeah, I'll read that. Yeah, I'll read that. Yeah, I'll read that. And like, I, I, just, I just didn't. And then I didn't get a chance to, or like my brain was like, whatever. And then you feel like, oh, you're letting people down, you know? Um, and the same with um, uh, like when I first got under contract, I was like, oh yeah, I can hit that deadline. No problem. I can hit that deadline. And then you kind of realize, oh no, I can't actually. I need, I need a little bit yeah. longer. Or you say to the writing group, like, I can't get that right now, but I can get to it like within the next month, if that's okay. Or I'll do the next thing, yeah. you know, whatever. And people respond much better to that and that kind of honesty and those boundaries than if you're kind of like promising things and they're not able to follow through with it. Because pub- like publishers and agents generally, if they if, say, if, you, if you're kind of open about it, they are pretty yeah. good at making those accommodations and working around you. Yeah, um, there they are. And the same with, with writing groups, I think, as well. You know, whatever yeah. stage you're at, that honesty is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that I, I completely agree. Uh, just, Melissa, very quickly on your point there yeah. about uh, Brandon Sanderson. Yeah. Did he not work, um, was it night shift as like a porter or something somewhere? Yeah, he where... did do night shift doing something. Something where it was low um, creative energy where he could yes. just, he had lots of time on his own to think, That's which right. is I'm a sure, really I'm interesting sure way of doing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely a night shift thing, yeah. Yeah, so I think he just had to keep an eye on something. Yeah looking at security cameras all night so he could just and apparently he just sat and wrote all night yeah and he could do oh i mean obviously if anyone knows brandon sanderson he's prolific he writes over a million words a year it's, it's absolutely and i'm not over exaggerating when i say that he wrote he wrote three or four books last year and each had about two hundred fifty thousand words so he, he definitely like knows what he's doing and obviously he's very practiced and that's a massive difference as well i've noticed now i'm more practiced and this is my yeah it's a third book i'm looking at publishing but it's like my fifth or sixth book i've finished which isn't even that practiced but i definitely have learned like emily says how i work and what works for me right now and so i've kind of lent into that and that's really helped and not just not feeling yeah bad if you've not written for x amount of time stuff like that so i definitely agree with what emily said yeah, and and so do I. And, and and it's interesting because you you both you both have obviously the way you've described it, you have very different, um, I guess, routines or you know the way in which you you outpour your creativity and, yeah. and you complete your 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 books and so on. And it was interesting because I got asked to do an article the other day where I had to um, describe a typical creative day. Oh and no! <laughs> I know. So I was like, well, this this is going to be tricky for me, but I tried to do it, and it just wasn't working because. Like, so I looked at the previous articles, they'd asked other authors to write um, a similar mm. thing, and I'd looked at the previous ones, and 
I don't, I don't know, like some people just live such different lives. Like mm-hmm. they were talking about how they get up and, you know, they, they sit and they write for two or three hours in the morning and, you know, and then they go out for a walk to sort of clear the cobwebs and get their creative things going. Then they read a bit in the afternoon and blah, blah. And they were doing all these things. And I was like, oh my God, like, that's, <laughs> that sounds that's chill. Like, that is like a, it's like a utopian author life, you know, it's yeah. not, that's not realistic um and and you know and, and maybe some people are you know they're in the fortunate position where they they can do that with their days mm. but yeah when i was writing mind out i was like so i i get woken up usually by my daughter at 7 a.m with demands for breakfast and you know you go down <laughs> and you give her breakfast i've got i've got to get my son ready um who demands to be carried everywhere at the moment so i, I never have a hand free you know like then you, you take them to the childminder at 8 a.m then i go to school and i do my whole day's school work blah, blah blah i pick them up from the childminder at four you know i take them home give them dinner then they go for a bath and then bed blah blah and then i was like i was thinking about it, i was like and so then, like, I have to do, like, you know, write mentor admin and so on throughout the day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I was, mm-hmm. I was writing it down, like, basically break times and lunch times at school, you know, my other job, I'm sitting, you know, doing emails and replying to things and blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> I actually looked at, like, the time that I have for creativity on a typical day. It was, it was so little. Yeah, um, it wasn't a creative day. It's a creative hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but, but I think that's important because because um, I, I wanted to actually write that article. Yeah. Um, but um, we, we decided not to, in the end, um, with the person, you know, the editor person, um, because it's not really a creative day, if you know what I mean. It's just my normal hectic day. But I wanted to, I thought it would have been good to publish it from the point of view that so many people look at writers and they see that idealistic, utopian, creative day that yeah. some writers have. And they <laughs> think that that's what their day should be like as a writer. And, yeah. and that's, it's not realistic and it's not, for 99% of people, that's not what it's going to be like. Yeah. And I wonder if we need to, we do need to be a bit more clear about that, about even, you know, very, like I remember Terry Brooks, who's like the New York Times best-selling fantasy author from like the, the 80s and 90s. So yeah, I think that's really interesting that, you know, even someone as hugely successful as that had to continue mm. being a lawyer for like a number of years and continue mm. to, you know, his full-time job, even though his book was at the top of the New York Times bestseller list, he was yeah. still, like, stealing a couple of hours in the evening after his high, you know, high-stress, high-energy yeah. job to, you know, to write New York Times bestsellers. And I think I, I, that is something that I wonder if it's not shared often enough. Yeah. Um. And, uh, yeah, anyway, that's that's just my, my, my tuppence worth on... <laughs> On, on that situation, but like so many, so many of the best-selling authors that you look at on a list are probably not actually full-time authors. They're doing a variety of other things as well. Yeah, so many mm-hmm. of them as well, which is what's so scary because I think we all think exactly. I've read those. I read one by Dan Brown. Dan Brown did a day in the life of. Um, it's in one of the papers. They always do one. It's, it's not just authors, but they like to do authors because every author has a different story on what their <laughs> day in life is. And Dan Brown's was like, you know, wake up next to my beautiful supermodel wife do yoga for two hours (laughs) like you know um if i feel like writing i'll write for maybe four hours and then i come out and there is all my family ready to go it wasn't it wasn't quite that bad but you know it was very much it felt like an out of touch reality for most people and that's not Mm. how it works most especially early on oh my goodness yeah yeah it's such a hustle isn't it um yeah massively just to you know do do normal life and also have that creative life alongside it, and yeah, mm-hmm. most of us aren't privileged enough to have that as our 
our main part of our life. Um, but yeah, anyway, I think um, I think we, we, we've ran a wee bit over um, for the, for the episode, so I think we'll sort of wrap up there. But just to quickly um, summarise, most of the replies were talking about busy lives, uh, mm-hmm. kids, and chronic illness came up a lot as well. Um, has been big barriers to that, and you know I, I can definitely sympathise on both counts there. Um, mm-hmm. and, and obviously the things like email and admin and all the other promotional activities that being an author entails as well prevents you from actually doing the writing. So yeah. it's is definitely a tough gig. Um, no no easy uh, easy life for the majority of people. And I guess, you know, it's important for people who are you know, newer writers to, to realise that going in because um, otherwise you can, you can I, I can imagine you get quite miserable if, you know, you expected this as your dream life and yeah. the way it turned out was, was very different. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I, th- I think that, like, when you're starting out as well, it's understanding, like I was saying, right now in my life, this is how I write. I'm very aware that both my life and my writing life will change and deadlines will be different and I might have more projects one year, I might have less projects. So I'm already aware that that writing life, that article I might write right now saying what my creative day looks like will be completely different in a year or five years or 10 years, whatever it may be, or however long I'm lucky enough to keep publishing, it will look completely different. So I think it's also just being flexible and knowing that just because it looks like this now, that's not forever, for mm. better or worse, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I agree. Yeah, totally. Any final it. thoughts, Emily? Uh, yeah, no, I just agree. I think it's like... <clears throat> I think, yeah, like enjoy, you know, when you have got the time or when you have got like the capabilities to do it, like be it that like a week, a day or like, you know, like a couple of years, then yeah, I think that's just enjoy it, enjoy it while you're, while you've you've kind of got it. And I think setting boundaries is just like the main thing, like for for me, I think it's really hard to do in in all like swathes of life. Um, It's really hard to kind of be like, this is, this is the time I'm doing this, this is the time I'm doing that and being clear about it. But yeah, I think. It's like, I love writing. I love it so much. It's always been like where my brain has been the happiest and Mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to lose that. So I think anyway, you can kind of make that still your happy place. Um, Mm -hmm. whatever that works for you is the best thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And definitely if you, if you keep yourself in love with the process, then it will help you through all those other miserable things you have to do in life to get by. Okay, that's probably a nice note to uh, to finish on for this episode. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to those who replied to the tweet as well and contributed to the discussion in the episode today. And obviously, thanks to Emily and Melissa for joining me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now.